I was nervous you were going to ask me about this, you know, because I, I absolutely I feel like we have we've made some enemies in the industry because of that that segment and we've rubbed some people the wrong way. The goal is to still make great radio. Put in the time, do the work. I associated laughing with radio, and that's kind of why I always wanted to be a part of it. In this business, we forget just how great it is. This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life. This week on the show, revisiting Andrew Beckler on X Mornings on X929. So the last time we talked, you were at Virgin 104.9 in Edmonton, and this was your your first foray into CHR. And I remember when we were talking, you you were saying like, I'm I'm doing a lot more listening to CHR, and I, I you know I, I dig the production, I, I dig being able to come in and out between songs and all this stuff. And then you immediately abandoned it. But <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> Did did you feel like right up until the end of your run at Virgin? Did you feel like you really enjoyed that format? Honestly, no. At least the, the way I was doing it, because um, I was doing the drive show there, and I think like mornings in CHR is different. Mornings in CHR, I think, is like mornings anywhere. The the way that Virgin was operating their drive shows at the time, and when I listen now, I think it's still somewhat similar. Is like they they didn't stop the music. That was kind of their philosophy. So like one song would bleed into the next, and if you had say a seven second intro on a song to talk that like before the vocals hit that's all that's all you got and you got to say the positioner so like it was incredibly limiting as to what you could say like i remember i would do all this prep and i'd come in and i'd look at my music log and be like well there's nowhere to say any of this so don't know why i did that but i mean there is a way to do it and to do it well i know you just spoke to chris kelly and i think he's an example of a guy who does it really really well it's an art form man like to be interesting and to be funny in such a a small amount of time is a real skill it has to be difficult for you though because not that you're you're a long-winded or or long-spoken person but I know you well enough to know, like, when you get into a topic or get into a subject or find something that's interesting to you, you're not a surface guy. You're a deep dive everything guy. So when you find something you want to talk about on the air, it's got to be tough to do all that research and then try and sum it up in eight seconds over a Rihanna beat. It's incredibly tough, man. And you're right. Like I, the one thing that was, it was very good for was teaching you how to edit yourself because I think so many hosts when they're starting out and I was no different and probably still am guilty of this. And I find, especially in podcasts, people don't really know how to edit themselves. Like there are some podcasts that I just can't listen to because I'm like, guys, like you're, you you talked about this for 10 minutes. You could have done it in a minute and a half. Like you're talking in circles. You're repeating yourselves. Like so many podcasts could do with a good air check. I think a good PD. Yeah. Just cause you have the time. I don't think means necessarily means you have to use it or you have to abuse it. Like even now with Shauna, if a break is, if it's a minute, it's a minute. If it takes four then it takes four. I find, and I'm sure Shauna would agree, that often if we're talking about a a more serious topic, more something with a bit more substance that's not just like a bit or isn't just jokes, if we're talking about current events, if we're talking about issues, which we do quite a bit of on our show, it takes a little longer to set the stage and to make sure that you've covered all your bases so nobody can come back at you and get you canceled, you know? Imagine that as a job on your resume podcast air checker there might be an avenue like some of these pds who are out of work right now there might be an avenue for that like some sort of consultant and be like we can clean this up we can do a better job paging matt cundle <laughs> i love cundle's podcast i listen all the time so you said you were starting to get a little bit frustrated with the restrictions that come with at least at virgin edmonton the format did you start looking elsewhere for for a next jump or 
were you approached about making a move? I was approached. Yeah, I wasn't like uh, I was unsatisfied, and I knew that I, it wasn't the type of radio that I wanted to be doing. But they're paying me pretty well, and I couldn't really believe it because I'd like I'd look at my workload, and I'd be like, man, I'm like I'm. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm doing a whole lot here for what they're paying me. But then one day I, I sat down to, to, to look at my show and there was an email waiting from Christian Hall. And I had applied for a few different jobs at X over the years early on when I definitely was not ready to work here. And then kind of as jobs came open over the years and you know, everyone always says, Oh, we'll keep you on file. And if something comes up, we'll let you know. That's just like, you're like, okay, that's an auto reply. You don't actually mean that. So when Christian reached out and was like, I have an opportunity coming up. Are you still interested? I was like, Whoa, this, this actually happens. So he and I met and we talked about kind of what he wanted the show to look like. And he was interested in a, in a two person drive show, which is what we have on the station now with Mark and million still. And it's obviously what you and Brock are doing. And I love a two person drive show. I think it's way better to listen to in the afternoon than a one person drive show. So when he said that I was, uh, I was very interested. Well, I think especially in the bigger markets, right? Like the Calgary's, the Edmonton's, the Toronto's, especially a drive show can be just as important as your morning show because it has the same benefit of reaching an audience that's kind of trapped in their vehicles. As much as people are moving towards, you know, uh, online streaming and podcasts and stuff like that. Not every car has an aux cord. Not every car has Bluetooth. So you have a lot of people that they'll tell you, I never, I never listen to the radio. Yeah. Except for your two hour drive home, bud. Absolutely. And I know that's Christian's philosophy. And, and in some instances, at some stations, I bet the drive show accounts for more tuning than the morning show. But for some reason, so many stations haven't, I don't know, haven't thought to or invest that much in their drive show. They spend it all on mornings or that's just the financial situation they're in nowadays. But I love to see a two-person drive show. And like, I think if you if you listen to Mark and Millions, you would agree that it's, uh, it's so beneficial. Which is especially crazy because it's, I guess it, it is similar to the situation like mine and Brock's where you have Mark who's been doing this radio thing at such a high level for so long. And I can remember not many years ago, Kaylin Millions applying for like an evening position for her first on-air job at Regina when I was working at The Wolf. The fact that they've come in and been able to establish themselves as fast and as well as they have is really a testament. I agree. And I think it's, it's Christian's vision too to put two people who aren't really that similar together and just, I guess in his head, he could hear that it was going to work. And I, I love that sort of like dichotomy between the two hosts. When you were approached by Christian, when you were talking, was the initial plan to be a two person show or were you th under the impression you were just going for solo afternoons? He told me right away that he was looking for a two person show, but I like, I didn't, I'd never worked with anybody before. So he said, I have some names I'd like to run by you. And I figured that they would kind of be maybe really young hosts, like kind of quote unquote, no namers. But when he mentioned some of the people he was looking at and one of them was Shauna, I was like, holy shit. Like I, I know who Shauna is. Like Shauna and I were friends at that point already. Cause we'd worked together in the bell building when I was at Virgin and she was at the bear. So then I was really excited. Cause I was like, okay, so he's like, he's really taking this show seriously. And that has to be a, a feel good moment for you as well. You know, you know, Hall, you know, his pedigree, you know what he's done. You like the station. And not only is he looking to bring you into the fold, but he's, he's offering you 
a spot alongside someone else that you respect. Yeah, it was so cool. And I mean, I, I have, I'd always had so much respect for X. I still think, in my opinion, it's the coolest station in Canada. I might be a little biased about that. But just everything from like the way our promo team does things to like Christian's vision for the branding and everything. And I think like if you listen to the station front to back, it's different and it's all solid. But it was like, I mean, it wasn't like a, like a snap decision because I mean, afternoons in Edmonton to afternoons in Calgary is somewhat of a lateral move. And Christian even brought that up when he first approached me. He said, you know, I understand that it's like, it's not going to be a ton more money. It's kind of a lateral move, but he's like, there are some things that, that are different about this joint. And, and I'd like to talk to you about that. And it was, uh, we had, we had had our oldest son, Bo, like a month before at that point. So we, we moved to Calgary when Bo was a month old and we didn't know basically anybody here. So it was a, it was a tough time for like, for me and, and for McKenna, but it was also very exciting. What were some of the things that, that a small company like Harvard and a station like X could offer you that Bell Virgin couldn't? I mean, the station, basically, just the, the freedom to be able to do what you wanted on the air and to work with somebody else and, you know, to just to, to grow as a broadcaster and to work in a format I was very excited about. I've worked in, uh, in a lot of different formats, no format twice, really. Alt is kind of special because I think our, our listenership is so open to hearing us talk about different things and like it, I, I feel like there's almost nothing I, I couldn't go on the air and say to our audience that, you know, somebody wouldn't be interested in. So it's quite a feeling like it's kind of what I was pursuing my whole career. And then to end up here is it feels pretty special. What's the weirdest topic, like the topic you've brought up on the air that you thought, even as you were prepping, this might be pushing. It. <laughs> I don't know if I could think of just one, but I, I could tell you that quite often during our show, we can swing from one extreme to the other. Like we've got this stupid running bit where we come up with different names for your butt. And it's just basically like who can make the other person crack first laughing. So we'll like, we'll rattle off like 10 or 15 names each different terms we've come up with. And it's so stupid, but it's, it's always funny. And then six minutes later, two songs, we could be interviewing the mayor about the city budget, or we could be talking about COVID right now, or we could be talking about race or anything like that. So it's like the show swings from one extreme to the other. And I think our listeners are, for the most part, along for the ride. And that's so cool. It's funny having known you for about a decade now. You know, I see when you guys will do a video or, or a post about the butt names on social media. There's always going to be someone in there like, oh, where do they even come up with this stuff? Like, you know, imagine sitting down and just imagining and writing all these dumb names for butts. And it's like, no, this is this is him. This is what he's been doing. <laughs> his entire life has led up to this radio bit. That's the real me. Yeah, the guy talking about issues and current events, that's that's an imposter. I feel bad. The My re- wife and I used to try and, <laughs> and talk a young Beckler out of using those terms. Used to say, Andrew, you're not going to get the girl if you keep referring to her butt as a turd cutter. Who knew that we, we all these years later, it would become a moneymaker for you? <laughs> Who knew, hey? I totally remember those times, too. Just, just dare to dream, Dolby. Dare to dream. <laughs> So you said you knew Shauna, you had become friends from uh, her time in Edmonton, but I know for you, you said it was the first time you were going to be working with a co-host. What did you guys have to do to go from being two solo artists to be in a band? I'm trying to remember because it was like, that was five and a half years ago now. I know we met a few times and we just kind of like bounced jokes off each other. And I'm sure it was clunky at first. Like if I were to listen back to those early shows, I'm sure it was clunky, but it didn't take long to feel like we'd, we kind of hit our stride. And the nice thing about Shauna is I've said this before about her, but she's so wickedly creative. Like the prep that she comes up with, I don't think anybody else would dig up. So I, you know, every night we, we send our prep back and forth 
to each other. Here are my ideas. Here are your ideas. And then we get together in the morning and we put it all into the show. But I always look forward to reading what she's got because it's so out there. It's so Shauna. It's so wildly creative. And she's she's just like the most easy to get along with person in the world. Like I've I've always said too, if you can't get along with Shauna, you're the problem. So it was very easy to start working with her. I'm sure I'm the difficult one in the relationship. No question. Do you guys try to to balance like, okay, we're going to do 50% of the show is going to be stuff I brought to the table, 50 is you, or or are there shows where it's like, this is a Shauna show. She just came in with the hot content today. Like it's kind of shaken itself out over the years. Like I, I'm trying to remember how we did it originally, but nowadays I'd say it's almost entirely 50-50. And some days like I'll look at the prep and I'll think, well, her shit is just way better than mine. So we're going to do more Shauna stuff and more of Shauna stuff is going to end up on the podcast. And I would say quite a bit less often it works out the other way where my stuff is way better. But I, even in the morning, I like the way that we approach prep and the way that, you know, the, the, the things that we are interested in are very different. So I'll try to balance out the show when, I, when I'm putting everything in, like in what order it's going to go. So it kind of goes like Shauna break, me break, Shauna break, me break for the most part, because I find, like I said, I find that that keeps people on their toes. At the beginning, again, having come from a fairly decent career of doing your own thing, was it a bit of uh, an ego struggle to be like, well, no, I really think this is something we should talk about. Not at all. No, I don't think so. I think we're both quite conscious of that because we're both independent people and we were both semi-established broadcasters before we started working together. So there, there's no power imbalance in our relationship. We're, we're a, a, a true two-person show. So I don't think we've ever ever run into any trouble with that. Like we've never had a, an issue in the five and a half years we've worked together where it's like, hey, I don't think I'm getting enough of a voice here. Like I think it's always been it's always been fairly balanced. The best thing for a station that has a two-person drive show is they immediately have backup in case they ever need or want to make a change to their morning show. But for you guys, there was a pretty killer show that was already in that morning slot with Tyler and Lynch. Uh, Tyler, someone you actually mentioned by name in the first time we talked on this podcast as being one of your favorite broadcasters in the country. Was there ever a time where you thought you might want to take this show on the road because you didn't think that there was going to be a, a way to move up at X? That's a hell of a question. <sighs> I'm trying to think if like we ever applied anywhere as a show or if I know we were reached out to individually on several occasions, like, Hey, we got an opening. Would you Shauna like to come? Would you Beckler like to come? But we were never approached as a show, which always kind of surprised me because we were having rating success in afternoons. And I think the possibility was there always that if, if Tyler and Lynch were to move along, then we would have a real shot at getting the morning show. But now, I mean, there's been so little change at this station and really it feels like in the industry as a whole over the last little while. Like, I think if you were looking to move up, you'd have to be fairly aggressive because I'm trying to think of an example. Like let's take Lane Mitchell at, at Sonic in Edmonton, for example. Lane is, a, is like a world-class broadcaster. He's one of the best. But the fact that Garner Andrews has been in that morning show and probably isn't going anywhere, I would think that Lane probably would have maybe moved into mornings by then if it weren't for Garner. So I, w I looked at a situation like X here and I thought like, are Tyler and Lynch going to stay forever or is someone going to come and pick them up? And then, I mean, when the peak hired Tyler and Lynch, Shauna and I were very hopeful that we'd get the morning show. It's so much of it is just timing. And I feel like I've, I've been the beneficiary of some fortunate timing throughout my career because I could have ended up behind a morning show that had no intention of ever leaving and maybe never would have got that shot. I'm lucky that the opportunity came up when it did and that Shauna and I felt like we were ready. Were there ever any of those solo offers that, that had you tempted or or did you just sort of brush them off like, hey, thanks for the offer? I had some conversations, but my... My thought has always been that if I was going to leave a job that I really, really liked, it would have to be the kind of offer that you couldn't say no to. 
like where you just look at it and you're like, well, I'd be, I'd be crazy to turn this down. And that never came along. So it kind of made the decision for me, which was, which was very easy. And ultimately it, it worked out for the best for us because here we are on mornings at X. That's right. Your patience did pay off and, and Tyler and Lynch's talents took them to an even bigger market, which opened up an opportunity for you. When Christian comes to tell you that you are going to be the new X morning show, quiet fist bump, sort of dignified or, or just open celebration. I, th- I think Sean actually gave me a hug in the elevator after we left his office. And Sean is not a hugger. I'm not a hugger. <laughs> but we were like, we were pretty excited. It was, um, it was exciting. Yeah, like I, I'll never forget that feeling. For my wedding, Christian's a big scotch guy. And for my wedding, he bought me a really nice bottle of scotch. And I've only had three drinks out of it since he bought that for me. I was married in 2016. One was when my, my youngest son Brigham was born. Uh, the next was when we got mornings. And I think I had a third drink one time when we when we finished number one as a morning show so there's only three drinks missing from that bottle yeah i get it scotch is gross i wouldn't drink it either (laughs) you can't say that to christian no i'm not a harvard employee anymore i can say whatever i want oh that's right (laughs) (laughs) you said it yourself the the drive show is becoming more and more like the morning show these days especially when you have a multi-person drive show. So was there much of a transition other than in your alarm clock to making that move to mornings? Not really. I mean, the pace of the morning show is quite a bit faster. We started off at, I think, like three big breaks an hour. Now we do four. Christian's given us a little more time to talk on the morning show. And on the afternoon show, uh, it was two when we were doing it. Um, I think Mark and Millions might talk a little more than that now. So that was the biggest change. It was just, it was more work in terms of prep and being ready and having you know, more to say about certain things. But like I said, that's kind of what I've been pursuing my whole career. So I was, I was ready for it. Shauna was ready for it. And I've never looked back. Like the, the pace of the show is so much fun. I sometimes will look up and it's like, holy shit, it's nine 30. The show's almost over. And we've just been having fun and didn't really notice. One of the things I find interesting about your show is there's so many shows and so many stations that they, they cast the net wide. They try to bring in as many people as they can, because obviously you want, you know, rating success and whatnot. But I do hear some shows and some stations that almost, they dumb things down. They re-explain things a lot. They keep things a little bit on the generic side because they don't want people to feel like they're left out if they haven't listened to the show before. You guys sort of lean the other way. And not that you will turn listeners off or turn them away, but you almost embrace the inside jokes on your show. I think that's a great way to say it. I don't think we've done that consciously, but I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because I think you got to give listeners a lot of credit. They're they're sharp, man. Like they're especially an alt listener and an ex listener. So we never talk down to our listeners. We we try to talk up to them and in many cases like <laughs> we're probably lagging behind them. So in terms of like the inside jokes and stuff, I think that we we want to say things on the air that make people feel like they're a part of something special, but the barrier for entry is very low. So like you could start listening to our show today, Monday, especially if you listen to our podcast, and I would say within within a few episodes of that podcast, you'd be caught up on some of the biggest inside jokes and then all of a sudden you're you're part of something. It kind of reminds me of like do you ever see on a YouTube video, you go to like search a, a YouTube song or whatever and then and you look in the comments and so it's like, oh, this podcast brought me here. This here because of this podcast. And it, it feels like a big family then, doesn't it? For sure. Have you guys found yourself driving people towards anything in particular other than the butt thesaurus? <laughs> uh, one of our, it's funny you ask, we've created this like this character called Terry and he's just like, just the stereotypical Albertan. Terry's your dad's buddy. He smokes darts, loves the Oilers and ACDC, says things that aren't really PC 
but he's got a good heart. We talk about Terry all the time. So that, that's something where if you just tune in for the first time, you'd say, who is this Terry they're talking about? But I'd say by the end of that show or the end of the next day's show, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get who Terry is. Now I'm in on it. And that's, I think that's a special feeling. That's, I think that's maybe part of the reason that we've kept people coming back. Let's be honest for a second. Have you ever buried something you actually thought or wanted to say in Terry? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think so. I think I have buried some funny jokes that I probably couldn't make in Don Cherry. Because if you if you say it through a character, then it's like it, it's satire. You're, you're, you don't actually think this. <laughs> this idiot that you're making fun of does. And I don't mean to call Don Cherry an idiot. He's a Canadian legend for all his missteps. But yeah, you can kind of you can kind of get away with some things when when it's not you saying it, when it's this character. And, and it's not just characters with you guys. Like you do Don, you do uh, Pat and Buck for the baseball stuff. You do Terry, you do the butt thesaurus. You, you guys have a lot of tent poles that again, you don't go out of your way to be like, coming up on the show today, hot cops. But <laughs> people who listen on a regular basis, when you suddenly sort of start steering towards it, like they can recognize like, oh, I think this is going to be a, a, a let's make it sexy break. I think you're right. And I think the fact that all of those segments just came about organically, like we never sat down and thought like, okay, we need a new benchmark. It's like a joke that we made on the air that we laughed about and that people started mentioning to us. And we're like, okay, maybe we can bring that back. Maybe we can do that again. And then all of a sudden it becomes a, a once monthly thing or it becomes a bi-weekly thing. Those are where the best bits come from. I think if you, if you try too hard... It sounds like you're trying too hard. And the nice thing about, you know, the fact that they happen organically is that so many listeners now participate in those bits. Someone will be like, oh man, I was at I was at the Flames game and there was this huge Terry sitting by me and they'll tell us the story. And then we tell that story on the air. So, you know, we're not a, we're not a show that takes a ton of calls or runs a lot of topics or anything like that. But we do have listener participation in the form of them participating in, in the benchmark bits and like the inside jokes and stuff. What's it like? I mentioned hot cops. What's it like to have a, a successful bit that you absolutely hate? <laughs> It's, uh, I think we play up the fact that we hate it more on the air than we actually do. It's a fun bit to write. It's just like all the different types of police that exist out there. And that we try to make like a, we try to imagine like what the trailer for a cheesy action eighties flick about these cops would sound like. And we've done like, I don't know, like a hundred different types of police. You don't realize how many different types of police they are. Every big organization from the railroad to the, to the zoo has their own like law enforcement. It makes for some really good puns and some really stupid cop jokes. So just waiting for radio cops at this point. The CRTC would that, or would it be the CBSC? <laughs> you know, shit, I got to write that down. Damn it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm making a note right now. <laughs> radio cops is going to be on the show this week. <laughs> Hey, it's Grant with Pippin Technical Service. I don't know if you caught the Inside Radio article earlier this week outlining the performance of radio streaming, but for the first time ever in the U.S., a full 10% of all broadcast listening occurred online. Those numbers typically trend a little higher here in Canada, which of course begs the question, how much attention are you paying to the quality of your station's audio stream? Are you using a straight program feed from your board? Have everything running through an old FM processor you pulled out of the air chain a couple years back? Or are you treating your streaming audio with the same care and attention you give whatever heads out your transmitter? Maybe that's a question you've never even asked. Well, it's time to more than think about it. Give us a call and we'll talk options about how to put your best foot forward online. On a similar note, remember, Telos Alliance has their virtual showcase on podcast audio quality coming up September 30th. You can find details and sign up today at pipandtech.com. We 
Build Broadcast. You know, you mentioned that you're not a show that takes a lot of calls on the air. Like, I know you guys have the phones open. You hear it in your podcast. You do hear the odd uh, new voice uh, on the show when you guys get something really good. But you guys have sort of been outspoken about not doing the the more traditional old style of radio and you you've even turned it into a bit with the what's your favorite flavor of chips and i know the first time you guys talked about that there were a lot of hurt feelings from people who maybe identified a little bit too closely (laughs) with that bit and with those statements did you feel any kind of heat from the industry for kind of going at them like that I was nervous you were going to ask me about this, you know, because I, I absolutely I feel like we have we've made some enemies in the industry because of that that segment. And we've rubbed some people the wrong way, <laughs> man. I could talk for an hour about this, but like it's I don't know if it was consultants or at some point someone was like, you have to make the listener the star. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that that style of radio. But when done lazily where you just throw a topic out like, oh, tell me about a tell me about a movie that everyone loves that you don't. And then people just call in and say their answers and you just air calls for the sake of airing calls, not because they're specifically or they're especially interesting, but because you didn't plan anything else and you need to get those calls on the air. So like, yeah, you mentioned the one that we, we always make fun of, which is what's your favorite flavor of chips, which was a legitimate radio topic we heard on a morning show in this city one time. And people are just calling in and it's like, oh, catch up. And like, what does that do for the listener? What does that do for anybody? So we call it the radio epidemic because you're hearing this everywhere. Like there are some stations that do it very, very well. And Christian always points to now radio in Edmonton and now radio success goes without saying, but their hosts are such great storytellers. So they'll tell a story and then that elicits calls from the listeners that are also interesting. So I think like there is a way to do that type of radio and to do it very, very well, but to just like put other voices on the air for the sake of having other voices on the air. Not because I don't know, man, think about it like this. Okay. If you listen to a podcast, if you, if you tune into Joe Rogan, or if you watch late night TV, you like Jimmy Fallon, you're not listening or watching. You're not consuming that, that media so that you can contribute. Like, you're not like, Oh, I can't wait till I can call into Joe Rogan. Like that doesn't happen. You're interested because the host and the content is interesting. And I think like we kind of take the same approach to that. If somebody calls in and they have a great contribution to what we're saying, absolutely. We're going to them on the air. It's just more perspective. It's more voices. It's, you know, like you said, it is making the listener the star, but to just like rely on that, to plan for that and to rely on that and not do it very well. That's what we call the radio epidemic. And that's what I think has made some people quite upset with us, but I'll defend that segment. And I think Christian would too, because I subscribe to Christian's thinking on this. He says the only popularity contest he cares about is with the listeners. If it pisses some people off in the industry because we're making fun of what they're doing on the air, I'm I'm willing to accept that if it if it helps this station win. And I think that's like that's the attitude you got to take, right? When we do something on the air, Dolby, like we're not trying to impress you, right? We're trying to impress the audience. And I would hope you would approach your show the same way. I'm not gonna lie, hurts a little bit. <laughs> Big fan of the show, but yeah, all right, fair enough. If you like it, even better. <laughs> if everyone likes it, then we've really won. I think the the reason that I agree with you is is because I think you and Shauna both have not only a passion for your show and for your station, but for the industry. It is tough to sit and listen to someone, especially like you said, like in a major market morning position. That's a highly coveted gig to take two to five minutes of airtime and just piss it away for something that that no one will remember within the hour. It can be difficult 
to watch that happen, even though it's, you know, it's not your show. It's not your station. It's, it's nothing to do with you. We're in this because we love to do it. And, and we're all fans. I can still remember you and Lloyd Minster sitting during, uh, you know, long sweeps during your show, watching video air checks on YouTube from the eighties. When you see someone doing radio well, it, it, it makes everything better, which is why when you see someone doing something poorly or, or not even poorly, cause listen, they're perfectly executing what they set out to do. But when you know that that airtime could be used better, it, it can be hard to watch. I agree with you. And especially at this like crossroads that our industry is at. Do you worry about the future of radio Dolby? I do. And I, and it's only because of radio that I worry about it. I don't, I don't worry about streaming. I don't worry about podcasts. I, I don't worry about all these, these radio killers that are out there. I worry that radio is going to commit suicide long before it's murdered. I don't even have to say anything like that's you're a hundred percent, right? Like we, we got to do ourselves every favor we can. Right. And like, we're up against all these brilliant content creators online and stuff. And I don't, I think we got to be, we got to be sharper than ever. And I mean, part of that is the fact that I think some companies aren't spending a lot of money to develop young talent. And then they wonder where's all the talent. And it's like, well, you, you asked your, your middays and evening show, like where are people supposed to, to start? And I know I'm not the first person to say that on a radio podcast, but like we got to be sharper than ever. And when you hear that, you're like, man, that's not going to do us any favors. The odd syndicated show uh, on a station here or there, you know, I get it. Listen, times are tough, especially now with with budgets being where they're at and the economy being where it's at. Sometimes just to keep the lights on, you got to make some stuff happen. But, Mm -hmm. you know, not to call anybody out or point any fingers, but there are, are, are shows that are literally syndicated across entire provinces in prominent day parts. And then, yeah, you turn around and go. Well, how come all these demos that came in for this afternoon show I'm trying to hire for are, are so bad? And it's, well, because nobody can work the afternoon show in a, in a town of 5,000 people or less anymore because you canned it. That's absolutely right, man. And I I worry for some of the younger people that are just getting into the industry. Like, I think there's always going to be a place for talented people in this industry. Thinking of an example right now, like X100.7, our, our sister station in Red Deer, the guy hosting mornings there is Sean McEwen. He's brilliant. If the situation was different, I think he would have already shot to the top somewhere. But just, you know, the way that station's budgets are going and the fact that, like I said earlier, it doesn't seem like many people are willing to, to move on right now because it's uncertain. You know, a guy like that is hanging out in Red Deer and he's doing a killer job. I think he's fantastic. But I, like for, for myself, I feel like I hit this this sweet spot. Like I missed some of the people that came before me. You hear some of these enormous contracts that they signed and I missed all of that. You know, like I don't think I'm ever going to sign for that kind of money. But those people were also like the first on the chopping block when budgets started to get cut. But I also like snuck right in under, you know, where it's really, really difficult to get a good job. Like, again, so much of it is timing. I've always said that I, like, people will talk about how they worked hard to get where they are. And it's true. I mean, we all, we've all worked hard to get where we are, but you have to acknowledge some of the the timing and luck that you had. And I've had a lot of that in my career. Whereas I can point to some pretty talented broadcasters who didn't have the same luck that I did, or they went to a station, then it flipped, and then they never landed back on their feet. Like, there's so many things that can happen to you in this industry that can either put you in a great spot or kind of push you out of the industry and i was very fortunate to to come along at the time i did broadcaster hardly even know her (laughs) i remember the first time i saw that bit i was just like what and now every time it comes up i'm the first to hit a like it's because you're a dad (laughs) 
You got two kids, man. The jokes change. <laughs> so you are still doing mornings with someone who I, I know you would consider your best friend. You guys are doing great in the ratings. You get great numbers on your videos and on your podcast and everything else. So what's left or what's next for Beckler or Beckler and Shauna? Man, that's a tough question because I didn't expect this was kind of my end goal when I was coming up. Like when you and I worked together in Smithers, BC, you know, we were so hungry. We wanted it so bad that we were living in Smithers. That's how bad we wanted it, right? <laughs> living up in the middle of nowhere. Beautiful town, by the way. I don't mean to shit on the town, but it was, it was a trek. It was isolated. If you had told me then, like, you know, within the decade, you're going to be doing mornings at X and you're going to be, you know, financially stable and you're going to be having rating success. I would have been like, that's amazing. That's what I want for the rest of my life. I don't know, like looking to the future, I could see myself one day ending up in talk perhaps because that's kind of where my, my real passion is right now is talking about current events and issues and kind of challenging myself in, in that sense. But I mean, then again, there's always outlets for that in terms of podcast and it'd be a shame to give up what we have going here at X for the, for the wrong thing, you know? Well, it's funny that you talk about that because, you know, we were just talking about how radio faces all of these juggernauts around us in terms of content and distribution, but it's also never been easier for people in radio. You know, you got a good voice, you got an idea of how to talk. You don't need the, the, the podcast air checker to tell you to shut the fuck up. It's never been more more possible, more plausible and, and more reasonable for broadcasters to move in and sort of adapt some of those other forms of distribution to make their brand and by association, their station's brand even bigger than ever. Absolutely. And I think there are people who are doing a great job of it. I mean, like you have your, your main gig, which you get paid for and you know, where your primary focus should be at the radio station. And then you have all these other outlets you can pursue creatively, whether that be videos that you make on the side or like you're doing with this podcast, or I know he's been mentioned many times on this podcast, but Fearless Fred has his Star Wars show, his nerd show on the side. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. The only thing is I see like, you know, as jobs start to dry up in the industry, people will say, well, you can start a podcast, you can shift a podcast. But I think that some of those people who say that might be overestimating the amount of money that's available in podcast right now. It feels to me in podcasting, like there are six people who are making money and everybody else is like fighting over their scraps. Does that feel accurate? No, as somebody who was shocked at the idea of even having uh, someone approach to sponsor this program. Thank you, Pippin Technical. Grant Biebrick, what up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like people are lining up hand over fist to throw their money at every fledgling podcast that comes about. Usually when you see small podcasts that have sponsors, it's someone they know, someone in the community, someone in their life, someone that you know wants to be associated with them. And then as the podcasts get bigger, well, then it's the same five companies, right? It's Dollar Shave Club. Stamps.com. It's, it's the same people who just like, they found the six biggest podcasts in the world and, and threw all their money at them. Yeah. And I think even like I mentioned Rogan earlier, like I can't even tell you who's advertising on Rogan's podcast right now, because I know that you just skip to the six minute mark and you listen for his intro and away you go. So I'm sure advertisers recognize that. That as well, which is why, you know, there's still money in radio, I think, but maybe the pandemic has changed that a little. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the chips fall when things start to go back to normal. But I have, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm concerned about the future of this industry, but I still think it is a great thing that we have here. And if we do it right, I think we'll, we'll be fine. Now, listening back to our, our first conversation, you know, I kind of laughed at the end. I gave you the opportunity to plug your socials and you're like, well, I, I'm this on Twitter. 
And then I, I have a Facebook. Uh, it's hard to find because my name is spelled weird if you spell it properly. <laughs> I don't really use it. And in those years that have followed, as social media has only got bigger, you have not necessarily grown with social media, but you're much more outspoken about maybe not being so big on social media. It's not that I'm not big on social media. I think I just see examples of people in this industry who think that social media comes before the on-air product. And I don't agree with that. I think like, I think we're getting paid for the radio. That's where the money comes in. It, it also depends on the type of social that, that we're talking about. Like, I think if you film a break in studio, which Shauna and I do a lot of, or you have this, you know, funny concept that stars you and some of the other hosts at the station and that takes off, that goes viral. That's great. Like, I mean, you're not going to see revenue from that, obviously, but it really helps to brand you, brand the station. It's just, it's great content for your listeners. Whereas like, I see so many stations where it's just, they share a meme off Reddit and it gets shared a thousand times and they think that's a success. And it's like, nobody who consumed that content gives a shit that it came from your radio station. They don't care if it's from Unilad or Barstool or Virgin Radio Lebanon or any of that, if it's just internet content. And I think like we are radio stations, we are personalities, we are content creators, we are not content aggregators. So that's kind of the way I look at that. I, it's not that I don't think that social media is important, but I can also look at examples in the industry of people who have had tremendous success without really caring all that much about social media. I don't know what Jeff O'Neill looks like because he He's not on social media. And has that hurt him? Has that hurt Fox? Not at all. At least it doesn't seem like it has. What, what do you think? Well, it's hurt my ability to try and reach out to him and get him on the show since I usually just DM people. <laughs> You'd have to send him a letter. <laughs> God, now I have to buy a stamp. <laughs> Dear Mr. O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Like some of the biggest names in the industry aren't on social media and it's not just the old school guys right it's not just the guys who've been doing it for 15 20 years or, or anything like that there are some people who fly under the radar right now that are up and coming they and and you maybe don't know about them because they're not tweeting every single break but when you hear them on the air they're absolutely killing it yeah, one of my best friends, he was the MC at my wedding, is Alex Carr, who was doing Mornings on the Edge with his sister Ruby until just recently. Guy's got like 200 followers on Twitter. Like he does not care about social media in the slightest. And it got him to Mornings at the Edge. So I think there, it can be done without social media. It doesn't doesn't mean that you should completely neglect social media. I think there's a proper way to use it, but I just see so many stations that think they're killing it because their social media is killing it. But like, where are you in the ratings? You know, that's that's really what what we're judged by. The other thing is I'm careful on social media because if I'm going to get in trouble for something, it seems like it's always on social media. I can say what I want on the air as long, like within reason, obviously. And if you get mad at what I say on the air, you got to really care. You got to find Christian's number. You got to call and leave him a voicemail. Then he's going to call you back and you'll talk. And like, whereas if I tweet something that's a bit controversial, it takes 10 people retweeting it who are mad about it. And all of a sudden I'm worried about my job. So whenever I'm talking about anything that's like borderline controversial, it's going to be on the air. Even podcast, I'm a little nervous about because it lives forever. Sean and I always joke, I'm sure there are things on our podcast that we have said that 10 years from now, maybe aren't going to be okay. And that's going to lead to the end of our, our employment. But what can you do? We come in with the goal of entertaining our audience every day. And if we leave feeling we've done that we can't really worry about the rest of it so it's such a weird anxiety that like no prior generation of entertainer has had to worry about you can vouch for this when we were both in smithers i was uh, an over sharer on twitter i would tweet everything <laughs> any thought that came through my head what i was watching on tv the score of the hockey game it didn't matter i would tweet 
like crazy. And I, I did go back, you know, not all that long ago, within the last year, and I went through all of my tweets, thousands of them, and I deleted a bunch of stuff that was, you know, it was either cringy or it was just like, why the fuck would anyone just post this to the internet? <laughs> I didn't find anything that I, I think would get me canceled. Like, I certainly wasn't burying any bodies by going through and cleaning it up. But it just goes to show the difference between in 2010, I, I would just pick up my phone and tweet. I wouldn't even think about what I was writing. I wouldn't even spell check it. Now... You know, I, I wanted to make a tweet last night that I, I was being the tooth fairy. My daughter lost a tooth and I went to slip, you know, the money under her pillow and, and steal the tooth. And she woke up and that was like a 10 minute crafting of like, OK, how am I going to say this? How am I going to cut it down? I don't know if I want to word it like that. Someone might get offended. It was about the fucking tooth fairy. <laughs> You're right, though. That's how people were using the platform back in 2010. And it's changed so much, too. Christian always makes fun of me because if I tweet something and it doesn't do very well, I'll delete it. He's like, stand by it. Don't delete it. And I said, I'm not here to curate a museum of my own failure. <laughs> like, I... I have control over this. If it sucks, I'll get rid of it. And I'll just, you go through my Twitter feed. I want it to be like a snapshot of the best stuff that I've said and the best stuff that Shauna and I have done. I don't want it to be like the times that I sucked, you know? <laughs> just bangers only. Bangers only. That's it. <laughs> what's the threshold? What What's the threshold of, of likes to retweets for, for a Beckler tweet to live on? Depends how proud I am of the tweet. <laughs> if it's one that I just kind of thought like, ah, this could be funny and then it doesn't do well, if, you know, if an hour's gone by and it's got like single digits it's gone but if it's a tweet that i think is really funny then it's it's staying up i don't care <laughs> i almost want to go back now and search like my replies to you and see how many of them are just ghosted <laughs> this content is not available <laughs> this tweet doesn't exist it never did this at dolby guy just keeps talking to himself it's the weirdest <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Beckler, uh, let's uh, talk about how people can can find you. So the show is still Monday to Friday. What's your hours? We're 6 to 10 weekdays. Uh, we also have a best of show that airs on, I believe it's Sundays here and in Red Deer. I should know that. <laughs> Didn't mean to catch you off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, I guess if you, I mean, if you're listening to this, you obviously listen to podcasts. We have a daily podcast called The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less. It is almost never under 20 minutes these days. But if you just search X929, wherever you get your podcast, it'll come up. And we're very diligent about making sure that's uploaded and that it's consistent. And it's funny because like we have a such a dedicated listenership to that podcast, not huge. And it hasn't like grown all that much since we started doing it. But we're 750 episodes in and you can count on it every weekday. Even if one of us isn't there, the other person will still put a, a podcast out. And it's basically just like some of the best content from our show. And then we expand on some of it or it's something we didn't have time to get to sometimes extended interviews. And I really love having that, that outlet for the, for the show because you know, people's schedules are different. They can't always catch the show, but maybe they are interested in what we're talking about. So it would be a great honor to me if you would check out our podcast. Anytime Terry. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, I'm also... Uh, on social media, I, my social media handles are all different, but if you Google Andrew Beckler, they'll come up. If you want to follow Shauna, she's at Shauna Jefferson, at Sienna Jefferson, the Irish spelling. Yeah, if you're going to follow him on Twitter, make sure you turn on notifications so you can catch those tweets before they disappear. The shitty ones, yeah. You want to see the shit. That's what you're there for. I'm just going to start screenshotting. <laughs> you're going to get me canceled, aren't you? 
<laughs> it's going to be you, my oldest friend. <laughs> Andrew Beckler, X92.9 Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Thanks for uh, coming back on to let us know you're still alive. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, and thank you for putting this show out. I listen all the time in my wood shop, so keep cranking the episodes out, and I'll download them. Oh, yeah. If anybody wants to buy your wood, where do they go for that? <laughs> At Beckler Woodwork. We've been so busy with the pandemic. People are spending money on their houses right now, so get a side hustle, too, kids. That's a nice little side hustle. You could also start an OnlyFans account or show pictures of your feet. This has been the Off Mic Podcast, brought to you by Pippin Technical. Tune in next week for more great stories from more great broadcasters. Follow the show on social media. Search Off Mic Podcast on Facebook or on Twitter and tell us who you want to hear on the show. I'm Drew Dalby. Thanks for listening.